0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your hosts, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Nachumsegel.com and around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel well, National News slash radio. And it's sad to say that a... Well, what, what could have been an absolute massacre of congressional Republicans, but it really doesn't matter, of, of members of Congress was actually averted only by luck, by sheer luck yesterday, Phil, and uh, the fact is that our elected officials are, you know, they're under, our, our country in a certain sense, and, and uh, the people are attacking our country, and I don't want to be, and it's not, this is a case of terrorism, and it's uh, it's been visited upon our elected officials, many of whom are, you know, citizen legislators or citizen elected officials. They're out there with us. They don't have Secret Service security. They don't have, you know, and I say this as just, you know, sitting with you, you know, as a a former assemblyman and being around many different important elected officials who don't have security. And the fact is that a guy just decided to premeditated clearly, went out there and came to a congressional baseball practice and decided he was going to shoot it up put people in the hospital, and i probably just try and kill them. It's just shocking. It's,
1: it's I, you know, we we poke fun every single week. We talk about politics, and we poke fun, and every day you watch the different channels, and, and we have to remember that the beauty of America, sort of this this ability to have political discourse, right? It's not about, I disagree with you, so now I hate you, and I have to kill you. It's, we disagree, and so we'll go into the next election, and we'll, we'll, we'll once again sort of bring that debate up, and I know that we poke fun and and we're probably going to, you know, so we'll get into that a bit later on in the show. But, but today was an example of, of number one is that the clearly the discord, it's gone too far, you know, it's gone way too far where there are some people and by by the way, and I'm not taking away the, 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 the point that he's probably mentally unstable and and I don't want to get into all the details specifically of the case, but at the end of the, this, these are things we've never seen before. I mean, if not for sheer luck, as you said, you know, I when I when Chuck Schumer and this was before he was minority leader before uh, when I was when I worked for him in in 2009 we would travel around New York City and only because the NYPD basically said you know we're going to give you a security detail you should have a security detail while you're in New York and so the NYPD in New York City had a security detail but when we would do upstate fairs or we would go to various events or graduations or 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 you know any any and every event that Chuck Schumer liked to go to he didn't always have historically, he didn't always have security. When we were traveling in Washington and I was staffing him in Washington in an event, there wasn't always security around. And he was a United States Senator. There wasn't always security around, but but so like, you know, you think about the sheer luck of the, the, the Capitol Police that were there. But but this idea of, of this is elected officials, what about everybody else? I mean if if a it's not that elected officials are more important; they need to be more safe. But no, not important. But they,
0: but they're targeted. Yeah, I mean, but, but and that's the see point. they're particularly that targeted. Somebody is out there taking out their anger. I, I, I don't know that he was targeting anybody specific who was there. He was targeting the class, the people of members of Congress. The same way you could target members of the Senate or state senators or if you don't like city councilmen, whoever it is. And you know, it's funny. We, we have. You know, village meetings here in Lawrence, and I think about the fact that we always have a, a cop there at the meetings, and really it was because you know, it's just to maintain order at the meetings, and just, but in effect it could happen any time. It, it, when you think about it, it's so scary. That we've devolved into a point that a person and you know, we only have rough reports about what this guy is all about, but he seemed to be very angry at Trump. He seemed to be very angry at Congress, and he had asked people whether it was Democrats or Republicans playing baseball at the time. They said it was Republicans, and then he goes with a high-powered assault rifle and starts killing people and starts shooting. And it's just, uh, it's it's a sad state of affairs. And you know, we talk about. We, we joke about politics, you know, you're trying to kill the other guy. You're trying to, politics is compared to war and it's battle. And we use all those terms, but never do we think about the fact that there are those who just, just take it too far. And it's it's just, thankfully, it's despite all that's going on in Washington, despite all the craziness, despite all the partisanship and the hyper partisanship. And I would say, and use the term, and I was going to use this. Possibly as a spin candidate of the week, Ivanka Trump going on Fox and Friends talking about she was surprised by the viciousness of Washington. Uh, I wasn't ready to go there. We'll have to leave that for a different time. But the viciousness of Washington has been put aside for at least a day because the truth is, as Paul Ryan, as Speaker Paul Ryan put it properly, uh, you yeah, know, attack on one is attack on all of us. And the truth is an attack on the U.S. Congress, an attack on the symbols of our democracy and the symbols of our government is really attack on each and every one of us. And I think that has to be said as we open the show today and, you know, we catch up on on the week in politics. We have to think about the fact that this is really important. I mean, this really matters. Attack on our democracy. You can't, I'm sorry, you, you, you just don't, we don't assassinate political leaders. Uh there is a reason it's unfortunate they need so much security. I've been inside security bubbles for various elected officials before. It's a very different – it's also a very different existence. Uh, once you have that level of protection, once you have that bubble around you, and not everybody has access to you all the time, it's a different level of interactions. There are a lot of politicians out there that I've who don't want that. Their life changes when that happens, and they're not interested in that. A lot of people don't – yeah, it's cool for the first day, but after that, it real wears off pretty quickly
1: yeah and everybody wants to feel a part of whatever event they're at and when they're surrounded and they're you know you see it on tv all the time but like you know elected officials want to interact with their constituents and when you're you're held back and you're unable to do that this is sort of it's reminds me of and when i was first getting into government i had just started a job working at the city council back in the early 2000s um when literally about a few months after I took a job was the story of, of James, James Davis. It was a council, a New York City councilman who was shot in City Hall, literally in City Hall by a political opponent. From the gallery, right? Yeah, and what was so interesting about it was the reason he was able to get a weapon in was because James was sort of in the, this idea of camaraderie and the election's over. He actually took this man around, you know... He, he, I it's a, hate to say the story, but he took it, him around it's a crazy the crazy story. He took him around the medic because, like, this idea, of like, okay, the, the race is over. Now we're going to be friends. And we're going to work together towards helping our community. He brought him into the city hall. I think it was in the rotunda, right when you walk in. Um, and he was ultimately shot and killed right there in city hall, and was taken out by security um, by by city hall. Uh, I think it was NYPD, but it was he the the the, the shooter was taken out. And and it sort of today was a reminder of uh, number one you're right the threat and sort of the political discourse but also i you know just luck i mean anybody who's ever been on on a, on a proper baseball field right there's nowhere out. The, you're in the dugout as a mechanism of trying to stay safe but there's nowhere to go there's no it's not like a major league baseball field where there's tunnels that you can run out of you're stuck you're stuck if not for the sh- the the return fire from the police officer it could have been. I mean, this is this is bad. I mean, and, it, and it was just luck. But it because could have been worse.
0: That you had a member of the leadership there, and you know, people would say, "Okay, well, why don't we protect every single politician out there?" Well, that's that's extraordinarily expensive, potentially wasteful. I mean, it, it, providing a security detail, it's not. I think people have to remember, it's not just one person that you do it round the clock protection means a rotation of people, no matter where you go and that is it also means you can't drive yourself you require
1: a driver I and mean, correct it, and it this is intense planning right because elected officials and i can tell you this have busy schedules they're trying to get to every event to every meeting to to every opportunity to interact with constituents and so it takes a level of coordination and and the officers who do that and i, I can tell you firsthand the officers that work in the intel division here in new york city do an amazing amazing job but you're right and so we talk about well it costs so much money right but What's Look at the other side. Look, how long did we talk... How long was the, the political debate about
0: what it cost to protect Trump Tower? Now, I'm not saying right, wrong. I'm not getting into that debate. Yeah, well, that the, the costs of protecting Trump Tower were pale in comparison to protecting all 535 members of Congress. Correct,
1: but the, again, we talked about the cost, and so somebody would make the point, well, how much would you cost to protect the leader of the free world? But you know, there, there, look, there's a give and take, and today was just a, a tragic, tragic day, because I really... The political discourse has devolved to the point where people are literally picking up weapons to shoot their political opponents and or, or political people who have political differences, and it's 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 outrageous, it's 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 awful. And I hope, you know, <laughs> the governor of Virginia, uh, I watched, I was listening on MSNBC, um, gave a, a press conference this afternoon. Everybody, he was part of the press conference and was asked was asked, you know, what kind of lessons can be taken from this? And it was so interesting because he did not want to get into the gun control debate where I think he was actually kind of the question was like literally driving him there. It was like, I don't want to sort of take a lesson of this. He was kind of at and he answered the question, by the way, essentially what what the reporter was asking. And he said, well, you know, we've been talking about gun control laws. And then literally the very next question he was asked is, do you think this is the appropriate time to be talking about gun control laws? He's like, well, I was just answering the question. This is not the right time really to talk about political discourse and, and you know, should we be civil or more civil or less civil? But there's got to be a lesson here that that we've got to find a way to have a, a, a debate. I agree. I agree. I disagree right back and forth and ultimately come out with a conclusion. And maybe you agree with the conclusion. Maybe you disagree with the conclusion. But life goes on. Right. We talked about. The, uh, the transfer, the, the peaceful transfer of power, even if you disagree, even if you have different political ideologies. Look, President Obama handed over sort of the mantle to President Trump. Gave him the keys. He gave him the keys to the White House. I pro- You know, we're all p- quite p- confident that President Obama did not agree with any of the policies that were about to come down the pike. But that is what we believe in. He didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't fight on the front lawn of the White House. We didn't leave it. Nobody left kicking and screaming. It's just, this is, is the way it should be. And and today was unfortunately just, you know, another, you know, big, black spot or speck on 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 where the political discourse has been and and we've got to find a way to bring it back well
0: hopefully we hopefully we bring it back so now we're gonna have to go to politics as you mentioned virginia and we talked about last week there are three marquee races of 2017 that are getting national attention the governor's race of virginia being one of them last week was the primary in new jersey where uh we didn't do it justice. Uh, that's another marquee race. And of course, the New York City mayoral race, which uh, though it's just the mayor's race, it gets national attention as well. Uh, so the Virginia had the primary and is quite interesting this week. You had actually a Bernie Sanders endorsed candidate who lost to, I think, the more establishment candidate, as well as, interestingly enough, Ed Gillespie, a Washington institution uh, insider who a lobbyist who barely squeaked by against a Trump backed or Trump esque uh, candidate in the Republican primary? I think he won only by 4,000 votes. After an election night, it was too close to call. So, interestingly enough, Gillespie had been, Leslie had been an RNC chairman. He had been one of the proponents of the 2012 autopsy that said that the Republican Party had to reach out more to others, and of course, the party kind of did a 180 or has done a 180 since then, and essentially kind of gone to the base. Uh, the, the president of this administration has kind of gone gone to the base and kind of played exclusively to the right now. I don't know the incredibly shrinking uh, uh, electorate that uh, that still finds that still finds Donald the president to be favorable. I think, which is down to 36 or 35 percent. And we'll have to see. It's going to be a very interesting. Uh, it's gonna be a very interesting general election because Ed Gillespie's kinda of run been the anti Trump in the Republican Party and he's however they're trying to saddle him uh, with the Trump mantle and what you know it's it's very interesting though that the two extremes when we talk about the base being energized the base this the base that on both sides in virginia the base lost in both or the sorry the extremes lost in both cases it makes me so happy i want you to
1: know it there nothing could have made me happier that the ideologues are finally no longer ruling the day I mean, I think that the biggest fear, and, and we've talked about this before, that the far right is defining the, the message of the entire Republican Party, and the far left is determining the messaging of the entire Democratic Party. And quite frankly, that's not where we are. That's not where I think the majority of people are. I always tell people it's the 20-20-60 rule, right? 20% of people are on the right, 20% of the people on the left, and there's 60%. The vast majority is in the middle just trying to get something done. It doesn't mean they are they're, they they have no political ideolo- ideology or political leanings, but it means that they're willing to find a, a compromise, they're willing to negotiate, they're willing to do whatever it takes to make their lives better. And I think the races in Virginia this week were a true, finally, finally a coming back to normal where common sense, middle ground finally went out. And the Bernie Sanders Democrat lost, the Donald Trump Republican lost, and you have Regardless of how political cans are going to try and paint these candidates, because you and I both know that Bernie Sanders candidate lost, Donald Trump candidate lost, but the Republicans are still going to try and paint this, the winner, as the Bernie Sanders guy, and the Democrats are going to paint the winner as the Donald Trump candidate. The fact is, is that, you know, that is just political spin at its core, people in the primaries. And by the way, primaries tend to be more ideologically thinking voters, in this case, actually went the other way. And that actually is reassuring to me that we'll hopefully get some sort of sense of normalcy back.
0: Well, Virginia is an interesting state, if you think about it, because it was kind of assumed that Trump would need Virginia in order to win the presidency. He didn't. He lost Virginia. He still won. Um, And, you know, it's a state that's changed, actually, quite a bit. But, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, we're we're, going to definitely look at that race as we go along. But I think you bring up a very important point that perhaps... Perhaps the base, or perhaps the the energized extremes, are not as when when people come out and there's a you know and there's a good candidate on each side are not quite as uh, powerful as as you know, they make them out to be and maybe members of Congress should take heed and not and also try and play a little bit more towards the middle, uh, in many cases. Interestingly
1: enough, you know, I've you know, there's a lot of a lot of people are starting to bubble now, even though I think it's still a bit too early. We have a lot of races before, but people are starting to talk about potential, you know, opposition to uh, congressional candidates in the midterms. Right. We're we're starting to hear more and more candidates pop up. And I've had numerous conversations with uh, with friends, uh, more Democrats than Republicans, but with with people on both sides who are contemplating potentially running for Congress who are trying, literally trying to draft the talking points and the messaging to get away from from the far right and the far left, right? Um, and they're going after members of Congress who are digging into the far right and the far left. And so I actually, again, I think the there was a really, this week's primaries were a great indicator of where we need to be as a country, and I hope where we're going back to.
0: Wow. Let's as long as we're talking politics and talking elections in the South, we would be remiss without talking about the upcoming special election coming up in Georgia. We talked about the first rounds in Georgia. You have to get 50 percent in order to uh, win. So you go into a runoff. Nobody get 50 percent. We uh, Democrat Joel Ossoff is running against former uh, Georgia secretary of state in. Uh, Handel, what is her first name? I can't remember. But either way, uh, Karen Handel, and interestingly, that the, I mean, this is a very Republican district, and the race is tied according to most polls. Now, the now we had. Everybody talks about this fact that there's so much energy, there's so much anti-Trump energy. This is a district that Trump barely won, even though it's a solidly Republican district. And this is a place that Democrats could pick up the seat. Now, we've kind of seen this picture before, right? Democrats could win in Montana. I never thought they were going to win in Montana. You know, they could have won in Kansas, but for, you know, they should have done this, whatever. This is an expensive race. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of excuses why the Democrats didn't don't end up winning some of these elections the deck is stacked against them whatever it is but my question to you is do the democrats need to win they need to win eventually somewhere you can't just kind of talk about all this energy this anti-trump energy this groundswell of about an angst about health care and obamacare and etc and about the steps around everything but not actually do anything about it.
1: And so uh, this goes to one of the first things I said to everybody who talked to me about, ooh, you think I could run in a midterm? Do you think I can win an election? I said to everybody, and what I, I think is the exact same answer I would say to you right now, is that it's it's simply too soon. It wasn't just a few weeks after the presidential election. Maybe it was a little bit more. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going too far, but we were already saying, ooh, there's a special election. I forget which one it was. This is going to be the bellwether. We're going to see if if this is holding or not, if the Trump love or the Trump numbers are going to hold or not. It is simply too soon to tell.
0: You can't— Right, but this election is here. But Do the Democrats need to win? I'm saying— No, to- they, they don't absolutely need to win. do
1: not. No, I would say that, look— do the Democrats need to win? Yes, eventually the Democrats win.
0: But when is eventually? So coming, so we can go to we can go to the midterms. We're doing they this can,
1: piecemeal. We're going to have the midterms. Look, we're, I think so the that's, midterms, that's I think what it is. I really believe you're going to see a, tr- a look. Whether the Democrats are able to take the House, and I don't believe they will. The midterms, you're going to see a shift. Assuming again,
0: all again, I, I well, I let I me have let, to me, say, let me, I, I will say if the, if things being where they are, and I, it's interesting that you think that they're not. If Trump is still at 36, 35 well, percent, then you're going to see a Democrats true, a, are taking the house.
1: I so I wouldn't know if I would, I would go that far yet, but assuming if all else stayed the same as the qualifier, if everything, the poll the polling right now is so bad. OK. If November if, if, the, if, the, if the general if the midterms were this November, then I'd be very, probably much more comfortable saying that the Democrats have a good chance of taking the house. Right, Well, right. The, but
0: the Republicans need to accomplish something. I agree with you, but there that's my needs point to, to that's be like, that's know, why it's I'll, too go, soon to tell. I'll go back to I'll go back to Newt Gingrich when I think that we talked about this a couple months ago and he said and he said I think brilliant statement. He says all this other nonsense with with Trump out there, if he creates jobs, if there are jobs, 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 that's it. He'll be fine and he'll get reelected. And I agree. If the if the Republicans if if the the truth is, when what it comes down to is it very simple proposition? Republicans have the White House, they have the Senate, they have the House. It's a Republican's dream here, and they aren't have so far not been able to do anything with it. Not a thing, zero. Actually, there's nothing big that has been accomplished: healthcare reform, tax reform, infrastructure. Nothing. Okay, some Republicans don't like infrastructure. Fine, but nothing is
1: happening. Yeah, but you're disproving. I mean, you're you're essentially disproving what Newt Gingrich said because. Per the president and his statement, look, we've created jobs. And and so how come his numbers aren't going up?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know that jobs have actually been created.
1: I'm with, but that's, ah, so you just hit it on the head because, you know, this, this president and the administration has a knack for claiming victories where it's kind of like gray area. Did he have something to do with it? It started with the first, what was it? I think the first announcement after he got elected was the carrier announcement. Like, you know, we're keeping carrier jobs. And I think he announced at the time 900 jobs that were going to go to Mexico or now we're going to stay right here in America. And like, then it turns out it wasn't really 900 jobs. It wasn't really 600 jobs. It was 300. You know, the numbers are just, it's all about play on numbers, right? You know, Any statistic you have to prove a point, I'll sh- show you two statistics that will prove the point the opposite way. And so I think it's not moving the needle. The needle continues to move down. And so, yes, it doesn't mean that the, over the next six months, congressional leaders can't get together with the administration and actually start getting things done. I think that can actually still happen. And that's why I'm not ready to count out Donald Trump. I'm not ready to count out the Republicans in the House and the Senate. At this point, I think it's too soon. But if all else stayed, if everything stayed the same as it was today, and elections were going to be this November, I would say the Democrats have a pretty good chance of making a tremendous dent. And so you ask me the question: Do these races matter? No, I don't think they matter because it's just it's simply too
0: soon I, I for think, the impacts to have an effect. I a, think if Republicans lose the Georgia seat, there is going to be a panic going on. I don't know what that panic will do. But there are a lot of people who a lot of people out there, in a lot of members are going to realize it's difficult for me to understand with all the troubles going on in the white. House. I mean, I know it's not difficult. I understand why people people want to ask why Republicans are sticking with the president and they're sticking with who has such low approval rates because they want to accomplish something. Well,
1: Let me ask because you because they
0: need to accomplish something. They need to get some wins. In the back. That's why they're doing it. And it's it's a bargain that they're making, and it's a bet that they're making that they can accomplish something somehow and get something through big pieces like tax reform, like moving different uh, items forward, and they can run on that, and they need that in order to for so that, they need to, for that to happen. You were instrumental. You 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 stood for election. People want to know what have you done?
1: I agree. Look, you have been instrumental in consulting on various congressional races across New York, whether it was Faso or. Um, uh, or or Lee Zeldin or so many other Republicans across. If they were to call you, and maybe they are, and they're calling you, what do you say? Do you say, focus? The people of New York don't want to hear it anymore. They don't. Like, what would you? What do you tell them now? Look at the, Is it simple as look at it, look at the president's approval ratings? Do you really want to
0: hitch your 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 wagon to that horse, or are you saying you know what what would your guidance be? Look, Dan Adam and who I'm close to voted against healthcare reform. He voted, against the, he voted against the repeal.
1: And so then you just... Okay. Just, so you're so, proving my point, right? I'm the Republicans are, are already okay. walking so, away. Well, Common sense, one, one walked away, well, what, but, but, but he hasn't
0: walked away entirely. No, no, I'm no, just I, giving I you an example, yeah. though, of people are making their own decision based on what's best for their district. Okay? Uh, Elise Stefanik, for example, she originally was against... The first time she was against the healthcare, uh, Obamacare repeal, then she voted for it. Everybody has their... Every, look, remember, it, every elected official has their own thing there are pressures that come from leadership that come along with that um but you know look it's an evolving story we're gonna have to get to it i want to get to the uh british election because minasha shapiro was upset with us last week for not talking about it so shout out to minasha i mean this was i mean not shocking most people thought Teresa, but the shocking the shocking part was not the end because people kind of expected the conservatives not to do well although they have seemed to have enough to but the shocking it was hillary esque here how Theresa May lost this Basically election? Calling
1: the calling for the, the right, right the early well, she election. She didn't need to call the election. She called the election for the purposes of like giving herself more of a referendum. Right. Like I have this much support, only to literally almost give up power, almost like lose it all. If not for sort of tweaking together this coalition, I mean, it's you know you start to wonder about sort of the 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 political sort of self-appointed self-appointed class, right? Like, I'm the greatest thing, and, and, and I think most... by Out the way, a touch. Most American people think everybody is replaceable. Everybody. Right? Everybody is replaceable.
0: I think what you saw here also is definitely a revolt amongst people who who didn't like Brexit. They didn't like the Brexit vote, they came back, they probably didn't like Jeremy Corbyn, they probably didn't like the labor, labor, but this was their way of protesting about Brexit. And the other thing is, I think Trump hurt her. I think her relationship with Trump hurt her. I think the fact that Trump attacked Sidi uh, mm. Khan, we talk about that was definitely a political loser for the conservatives, it was a winner it definitely drew sympathy amongst the Brits for the Labor Party and um, you know I, th- I think the problem is this this wave of nationalism was supposed to have swept the three elections, big elections that have happened so far in the Netherlands, France. in France, and in Britain have all gone the way, or have all gone the other way. And you know we're probably going to see in Germany Merkel, who is definitely an anti-Trump, uh, she's probably going to cruise to victory. And also, she's
1: actually going to cruise to victory, I think, because she sees the writing on the wall. She's, exactly. <laughs> she I mean,
0: look, th- there's a lot of dynamics in play, but the, this this uh, this British uh, this British result is quite remarkable as a, as when it comes down to it how you can kind of snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and you know we saw it here in the united states for different reasons for many many different reasons but yeah. but but it happens here uh, okay so we got to talk about the elephant in the room which is the fact that the i know we save it for the end but Trump now is under investigation, at least according to the Washington Post, and it been, hasn't been has been denied by the White House. Trump is actually being investigated for obstruction of justice. Why? Well, it makes no sense because he was told by Jim Comey that he wasn't under investigation, but he couldn't stand the fact that Jim Comey was still investigating, so he fired him. And... Then told everybody that he did fire him actually about Russia. So therefore, he's now under investigation for obstruction of justice. Everything so far in this White House is self-inflicted.
1: Look, that's exactly what the Wall Street Journal said last week and and what even Fox News and and others sort of jumped on is that he puts himself in his own box, right? We talked about the the travel ban, right? Is it a travel ban? Isn't it a travel ban? The administration is saying one thing. He's tweeting another thing. Just don't say anything let your administration work let you, you surrounded yourself we you know throughout the campaign people kept telling me oh he's going to surround himself with great people and i think arguably there are a lot of great people around him he's got to let them do their job and i think that's the biggest challenge is that he continues to sort of step on his own toes and it's just unnecessary unnecessary unforced errors and it's just very
0: frustrating i mean but but you think about it here you have the situation where the, this whole the whole story, the whole storyline never needed to happen, right? If Jeff Sessions would have told the truth to Congress the first time that he met with the, the Russians, he would not have to recuse himself. Then Trump, did, Trump didn't have to fire Comey, at least when he did. It was just, I mean, one after, it's all self-inflicted wounds. You just think about it. I mean, it's how not to manage a White House, how not to manage any political office, I think is what's going on here. And really, this should be, you. they really just have not, have yet to get into their groove. And I have to say, the session's testimony itself was anticlimactic.
1: Oh, it was very anticlimactic. I mean, it was didn't get the same ratings that the Comey hearings got. Sorry to, <laughs> to the administration. I, you know, I, I wanted to touch on for a moment. We we mentioned in the beginning, sort of the viciousness. You know, Ivanka ah, Trump yes, on Fox vicious. and Friends talking about the viciousness of the attacks against her. And I'm, I'm sorry. I think we all expected Ivanka to be. You know, we all looked at her and to Jared as sort of when they're going to the White House as sort of. Almost like the adults
0: in the room, right? Yeah, like, and now we've realized that's just hopelessly naive. It's like, you know, you talk about viciousness, and I, I, I'm not... By the way, where, where is she? Does she not understand politics? Has she not been to Washington for the last decade? Right, and, and this idea that, like, did she... Say, do we... Can we
1: take for a moment and see the way Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, treated at the time, President Barack Obama? Do we, Who remembers the birther debate? And who the leader of the birther debate? Well, you want to talk about viciousness? Lion Ted. I, I mean, like, vis- really... The, like the pot calling really? the
0: kettle black. I mean this is just And unfortunately it's only our runner up for the spin award of the week because yeah. our because our winner is The winner is is the entire cabinet meeting. The first
1: official cabinet meeting of the uh, of the Trump administration where it was literally a praise fest. Now, Michael, you and I have been in rooms where people <laughs> was, say nice things. It was a North Korea moment. After the second person says nice things, you're like, "All right, all right, let's, get, folks, let's get on with the meeting here, right? Let's talk. Let's talk topics. Let's talk, yeah, let's talk business, guys. We're here for a meeting. We don't get together that often. No, you know." But Mr no. President
0: you are so wonderful and so great and, and so powerful and so amazing <laughs> And what was for and, me And the amazing thing is that they feel that they have to spin the president
1: So I always I always find it fascinating maybe I'm living in my democratic liberal bubble but the the the, the 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 excuse me the New York Post literally cartooned literally everybody going around the table talking talking and one guy sitting there nervous saying oops i forgot my thesaurus today like how am i going to speak it was like
0: the new york post is making
1: fun of the president all right that's it for us
0: here on spin class here on the Malcolm seagull network stay tuned for jew in the city speaks with allison joseph see you next week